I have a word from God for you today. As your pastor, I've been praying about this, and the Lord's directed me to this today. I had a whole other message I developed and laid out, and I highlighted, and I cross-examined and put other verses here, and it'll have to wait for another day because this is the one God wanted me to bring to you. So listen, here's why, again, I told you in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, some of you are taking notes, and you're going, you didn't quote this verse yet, Pastor Jeff. Well, thank you. Thank you for reminding me. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. Now, these things happened to them, ancient Israel, Moses, Abraham, Joshua and Caleb, and so forth, as an example, as an example. And they were written for our instruction. See, the law of the Lord is perfect. People, somebody said, well, this is a Bible church. That's one of the greatest compliments as a pastor I've ever heard anybody. I don't like labels. I don't like people trying, are you a, are you a charismatic, are you an evangelical, are you a born-againer, are you, I've been called all of that, but, you know, uh, I, I'm a Jesus follower. I don't really like labels. I, I just have a thing, you know, I'm from Southern California, I try to be edgy, and everybody's all edgy at the same time, they all look exactly alike, you know, that, it's like, I want to be original, and then we're all like looking, exact, you know, acting the same way, saying the same stuff, but I like, I like not to be labeled, I don't like to be cornered, but I'll tell you what, being called a Bible church, I'm all in on that. Well, are you a faith church? Yes. And a hope church? Yes. And a love church. Everybody say faith, hope, and love. See, these things were written for our instruction. That through the perseverance and the encouragement, this will get you out of depression. Because depression is this dark place, a cavernous trap where you don't know whether you're going to get a breakthrough or not. I'm telling you, you will get a breakthrough. Because he is the glory and the lifter of your head. My God knows how to redeem our lives from the pit. And we've all been in the pit. Sometimes by our own uh, failings. Sometimes by the imposition of others. Sometimes just as a consequence of chemicals going out of whack. Hormones or blood sugar or whatever. Or being hurt. You know, I've known people who have been hit in the head through an accident and gone through seasons of that. So you just don't know. Or demons attacking. You just don't know. And don't go telling people, well, you're, you're under this because you just made them. You, you, you messed up. Yeah, well, the Bible says the curse without cause doesn't come. But yet, Paul the Apostle was precisely in God's will in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And he said he despaired even of life. Elijah was precisely in God's will. Then he got threatened by Jezebel and he had to crawl. He was crawled under a a juniper tree. I don't know what you're going through. Some of you I do know. And I believe in God with you. that, that, That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you will give life to your mortal body including your three-pound brain, including your glands and your blood sugar and your chemistry and your hormones. I pray healings, literal physical healing on some of you right now. Some of, whoever's out of whack, I'm not going to have you raise your hands, but God knows where you're at. Let's get in faith for it. Let's trust God for it. In him, all his promises are yes and amen. Say this with me. He redeems my life from the pit. He will take our lives out of, he'll help us relationally. I mean, even Graham Nash was making amends with David Crosby before David Crosby died. Crosby stills Nash and Young. Had such a breach that Nash and Crosby wouldn't talk to each other for three or four years. Crosby just died January 19th. But I I just read a report that Graham Nash, they had had a text from each other. I think I I need to apologize to you for something I said. And there there were amends starting to be made. Even those guys that had that breach, with God, all things are possible. 
With God, all things are possible. Whatever's going on in the turbulence of your life, listen, David had plenty of it. And so we see these things as examples. And it says, they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the age have come. So that's Paul talking to the church about these Old Testament stories as examples. And I want to show you a characteristic that I think we can take hold of, embrace, and make it a deepened core value. And that is, in our personal relationship with the Lord, we need to pray without ceasing. We need to be people that are constantly inquiring of the Lord. And I'm not saying this like, you better get a prayer life, Christians. I'm not saying that. I'm saying upon invitation, we're to fellowship with him. We just had that in praise and worship. I love that starting services with song. Because we could come in so bogged down, so distracted, we're, you know, with so much natural thinking. And then we can, like the scripture says in Psalms, we enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We enter into his courts with praise. Even popular modern psychology is acknowledging the value and power of just gratitude. Well, that's biblical. It's funny when science comes up and goes, hey, I've got a novel idea. The happiest people in the world uh, don't just think about themselves all the time. Chapter and verse, there's plenty of them. He inhabits the praises of his people. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And the liberator has come. And so, listen, when we hear pray without ceasing, oh, I don't pray enough. I'm not really interested in prayer. No, yeah, you are. Because prayer is leaning on God. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms, right? And we're leaning on him. We're trusting him. Al, can you pull up that story you gave me on my phone? Can you pull that up and let me use your phone and then I'll keep it and I'll make long distance calls on it? <laughs> Al sent me this yesterday and I, I wanted to read it in this service because I want to talk to you about these, his everlasting arms, putting it in God's hands. Thank you. Thank you. It is long, but it's good. Thanks for sharing this. He said, hi, Pastor Jeff. I saw this on, uh, what is it, Link? Lincoln? Abraham Lincoln? (laughs) Not sure if you've run across this before. He said the the first one's about basketball. He said it caught my eye with March Madness right around the corner. Uh, Then, of course, Easter. So I I appreciate members of the church uh, giving me uh, nice things to uh, help me out. Thank you, brother. I owe you. Um, There's no finder's fee, though. Okay, so... A basketball in my hands is worth $19. A basketball in Michael Jordan's hand is worth about $33 million. It depends whose hands it's in. A baseball in my hands is worth about $6. A baseball in Babe Ruth's hands worth about $19 million. It depends whose hands it's in. A tennis racket is absolutely useless in my hands. Thank you, Al. You're right, actually. (laughs) A tennis racket in Venus Williams' hands is a championship-winning moment. It depends whose hands it's in. A rod in my hands will keep away a wild animal. A rod in Moses' hands will part the Red Sea. It depends on whose hands it's in. A slingshot in my hands is a kid's toy. A slingshot in King David's hands is a mighty weapon against Goliath. It depends whose hands it's in. Two fish and five loaves. I like this one. Two fish and five loaves of bread in my hands are two filet of fish dinners. (laughs) 
two fish in and two lo- five loaves in bread in God's hands will feed thousands. It depends whose hands it's in. Nails in my hands might produce a, a birdhouse. Nails in Jesus Christ's hands will produce salvation for the entire world. It depends whose hands it's in. As you see now, it depends whose hands it's in. So put your concerns, your worries, your fears, your anxieties, also your hopes, your dreams, your vision, your relationship with God, your relationship with others into God's hands because it depends whose hands it's in. Right? Hallelujah. Everybody say, thank you, Al. So now I want to just go right into the word here. That's my, that's my introduction, and I'm, I'm, I'm teeing up to encourage you to get off cruise control, get off autopilot, and get in, uh, and not get in manual. I'm not talking about like some sort of grinding your, your gears. I'm talking about a place invi- we're invited to of intimacy with God, of cooperation with God, and of connection with God where we can pray about things and then take action. You know, somebody asked me, where do I, in, where, where is prayer so vital and then where is action so vital? It, that's a great question. That's one of the high class, I think, mature questions a, a, a Jesus follower would ask. Because faith without works is dead. And we're not going to be those Christians that go, I'm just going to pray about it. Because it, it is not passivity. It's actually the primary step. The, the word and prayer are the foundation for how we raise our kids for how we cope with society, for how we overcome our own flesh and put off the old man and put on the new man and grow up and get our minds renewed, right? Everybody say, I'm a piece of work. work. But I'm a work of art because I'm God's workmanship created in Christ for good works, which he prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. Young people, listen to what I'm preaching. This has been true for me. I got saved when I was 16 years old. I gave my teenage years, my 20s, my 30s, my 40s. I'm just over 28, so I'm just going to see how it goes in the future. I'm going to keep going with God. I'm going to keep trusting him. Everybody say, this works. I love it. We're not going to turn to it, Second Chronicles, but in 26.5, when a 16-year-old inherited a throne of Judah after his dad Amaziah died, the Bible talks about Uzziah, who served 52 years, that as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. As long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. He'll prosper you in the work of your hands. He'll perfect that which concerns you. He is the author and finisher of your faith. He's the one who had salvation planned in the Garden of Eden and promised it that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent, prophetically saying, this thing eventually is going to turn around and humanity that's all lost and has no underpinnings is about ready to be restored. Everybody say, I'm putting it in God's hands. King David is such a great example. And so I want to go to first uh, first. What did, I call, what did I tell you to look up? 1 Samuel chapter 23. 1 Samuel chapter 23. It's on page 435 in my Bible. And, and I want to give you some highlights now. How am I doing for time? I'm doing great. 
By the way, I want to tell you, we're having a meeting for volunteers, appreciation, to express appreciation for those of you who have stood with us through COVID and then reopening and trying to build our children's ministry and youth ministry. We are believing God for direction. And we just want to say thank you to the people who have put in so much of the, the, the sweat equity and commitment and prayer and service. And we want to just bring in some information and give some highlights and help you and communicate. And I saw some people building a snack table. Now, it used to be uh, called a snack tray. And then it got upgraded to being called a charcuterie board. Everybody say charcuterie board. Ah, you just spoke in tongues. All right, and then now I, I was told by the, the, the chief over there that was putting it together, now it's called a grazing table. Graze table. Is that a thing? Okay, so that's a thing. So I guess it had, so, and that's, the, look, that's St. Louis Family Church here, man. We went, we upgraded from a snack tray, everybody say snack tray. To a charcuterie board. To a graze table. I think I'm going to see more of you at that next meeting. It was fabulous. It's for those that are interested in volunteering with Children's Church. That's a caveat. Thank you, disciplined thinker, awesome wife. And, uh, and we're going to have that over there. And I want to just encourage you and incentive you because we, we, we're, it's all hands on deck. We want to we want to accommodate a children and youth revival. We want to be faithful to God with it. In Jesus' name, we're going to have it. First Samuel twenty three. Then they told David, saying, "Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and are plundering the threshing floor." Everybody say bad news, but it's good to be informed. We are not. Burying our heads in the sand. We are not in denial. We face off with our trials and problems. That's how we got saved. We realized the Holy Spirit convicted us. We were sinners and we were lost going to hell. And so we were, there was realism there. It's like, oh no, what must I do to be saved? Jesus, salvation, deliverance, right? We put it in his hands. And this is the same in, in, the, in the Old Testament story of a battle. Now look at the response of the king. David So David, what did he do? Inquired of the Lord. Say that again. Inquired of the Lord. So David didn't worry. David didn't wring his hands. David didn't go mind numb and ignore the problem. David didn't uh, get all, uh, uh, you know, in the natural and try to figure out something to do in his own power. He ran toward God for answers. And David inquired of the Lord saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? God listens to him, and God directs him. And the Lord said to David, which just shows the interplay of prayer, Go and attack the Philistines and deliver Keilah. Isn't that awesome? Now, these things were written in earlier times for our learning, right? So we're learning something here. And what is modeled here? It's not... Uh, David's independence, it's David's dependence on God. And the higher up he went, the more dependent he got with God all the way to the end of his life. And that's why he served the purposes of God in his generation. And I want to tell you what I believe is each one of you, each one of us, 
local church expressions like St. Louis Family Church, the great churches all over the planet that God is anointing and calling, have responsibilities. It goes down to the individual person and the individual level and to the individual issues of our lives. We maintain our individuality and our autonomy as we're thrust into the body of Christ. And this is how the world knows we're his disciples because we learn how to get along. Like a bunch of cats in a bag. Here we are, the church. You know, and we just pull back our retractable claws and try to love each other, right? Hey, somebody say amen. That got tough there. That was a hard part of the message. But then David, look, here's so he, he's crying out to the Lord, and God gives him direction. And they were robbing the threshing floor. The, the food uh, chain was being disrupted. And, um, and, and, and the, the, the besieged city of Keilah was a fortified city within Judah's borders. And, and David, he said, what should I do? So as the king, as the anointed king, uh, uh, he, he realized he himself was responsible to be Israel's protector. The apostate king Saul uh, had neglected public safety. He just didn't care anymore. And David loved his country and desired to free it from its enemies. So he says, God, he inquires of the Lord, what should I do? What should I do? Uh, yet he would not act without first seeking the Lord's direction, Right? This is where I think pray without ceasing. God, what would you have me do? Not just walking into a thing and just kind of patching it on later like, oh, you know, God, but let's just proceed everything with prayer. Let's bathe everything in prayer. Let's let's trust God. He's he's basically watching the 6 o'clock news in prayer. And he's saying, what should I do, Lord? How does it, as it pertains to me and my responsibilities? Though he was busy hiding from Saul, who was trying to kill him, he, he, he thought enough about Keilah's welfare. And if we wait around for an idealized time, you just wait around forever. Don't hold your breath. There are multifaceted battles throughout the lifespan of any believer. And many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them out of them all. And I'm telling you, God is so good, and he's so kind, and he's so faithful, and he's so worthy. Can I hear an Amen. So then look what it says in this next verse. So he, because he, he's, he's seeking God, and then it says, uh, but David's men said to him, behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Keilah against the ranks of the Philistines? It, it, we're already strapped. We're already tapped out. We're already, and, and they're getting all freaked out. And, and so David hears it, about 600 mighty men. He hears it, and what does David do again? Look what it says here, verse 4. Then David inquired of the Lord once more. He's being challenged by his own people, as often happened for him. In leadership, that happens. In our, our, our human experience, this happens. It's like, are you sure about that? It's like, let me double check. It, it, it's, it, you know, so he got, a, he got a second opinion from the Lord. He said, he, then, what does it say here? Then David inquired of the Lord, what? Once more. Everybody say once more. That's where your power is right there in the once more. That's where the answer is. It's not get it off cruise control and get in there and say, okay, God, I am inquiring of you. I'm seeking you. I'm trusting you. You said in all my ways, I'm to acknowledge you and you will direct my path. Proverbs 3, 6, correct? This is, this is inviting, isn't it? Well, that's just David. 
and that's just because he was a king. No, it's not. It's not just David, and it's not just because he's the king. That's wrong. That's false doctrine for you to interpret it that way. No, it's not just David. Because look, those things were written in earlier times for our instruction. And 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says it was for our example. It's an example. And these are types and shadows of things to come. So this modeled here, Jesus did this. Jesus often slipped away and he prayed. He said, I only do what I see my father doing. That's why Christianity, it's it's so amazing because of who Jesus is. He's the king of kings. He's the son of God. He's fully God and fully man, the son of man and the son of God. No, he's not ancient alien uh, shaman. He is the Lord that saves. There's only one way, and it's through Jesus. And there's only one God of the universe, and he's our father. And if we connect with him and we adapt to him and we walk with him and we serve him, all of his promises are yes and amen. That exclusivity it bothers pluralistic society. It bothers demons because they hate, they want to detach people from the holy God because they're detached and misery demands company. That's why there's so much a plethora of deception and alternate belief systems and it's so sophisticated and in the end times, knowledge will increase. They will become more and more skilled at communicating it because Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and there's such intrinsic deception on humanity and that's That's why we need God, and that's why we need his word, and that's why we need the Son of God and a personal relationship with Jesus. And since we have him, we might as well inquire of him, and he will give us generously, and he won't hold back. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. What a verse. John 1, 5, or James 1, 5. I love it. Do you know what it says in the context? Uh, You're going to have many trials and challenges Tests and trials, it tests your faith. It's like Bummerville, but it's reality. It, it, verse 3, look what it says. Look what it says in James 1, 3. Back up a little bit. Uh, well, let, let's look at verse 2. Verse 2, I'm going to just keep going. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter the Philistines messing with Keilah. You encounter alarming symptoms trying to attack you, or bad, a bad, well, that, that sounds like, sadomasochism. Is that what God is advocating? No, he's not. He's not a sadist, and he doesn't want us to be gleeful about all our problems. He just, counting it all joy means, oh, I, I get to stand on the promises of God, because I already know the world's a mess. And I already knew I was a mess, and that's why I became a Christian. And I know that I have to keep humbling myself and keep putting off the old man and putting on the new man because as long as I have flesh and its tendencies, i got to crucify it. As long as I have my brain that's subject to the influences of my childhood, the things I hear around me, I'm going to have to not be conformed to this world. And that's why I'm in church today. And that's why I keep putting myself in God's hands. A basketball in my hands is worth $19. A basketball in Michael Jordan's hands is worth $33 million. Uh, Your life in God's hands, I'm telling you, when we put it there, we're going to get answers. Come on. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. And David inquired once more, and the Lord answered him. Aren't you glad for that? Well, what does that mean? I've never heard an audible voice. I don't think I have either. I know some people who have. I don't think I have either. I've been saved for 50 years. I don't, I'm not basing this on sensory reinforcement. My Bible says I'm supposed to walk. I'm required to walk by faith and not by sight. 
I, I, though I've never seen him, I, I love him. Jesus is everything to me. I said, Jesus is everything to me. I need Jesus. And, and, and David, Jesus hadn't come on the scene yet. David was longing for the Messiah that would come. And he's yet calling on God, even in the obscuring aspects of the Old Testament. There's not as much revelation that's come until when Jesus comes to bring greater clarity. But even then he knew, I'm going to just keep it off autopilot and I'm going to keep going to God. Whatever your situation is right now. I think about this mom with her daughter. It's like it's one thing to get a diagnosis, to see these symptoms, to get a diagnosis and, and call the church to prayer and get a stand and lay hands on, pray and do all that. But then even with a test, God, I pray we get the right reader of the test. It would blow your mind if I told you the reader of a test with one of my, my uh, daughter-in-law in her pregnancy and what this person said. They should have been fired. It produced such fear. It was absolutely disturbingly crazy. Thank God for the word of God. You can suffer, you know, look, uh, so you want to make sure you get, they emerge and there's somebody that's attentive and knows how to read the text. We need to pray about everything, right? I mean, we've got, we've got to not worry about anything, but pray about everything. How's Pastor Jeff going to finish this? Inquiring of the Lord. That's how. Mind your own business, by the way. Okay, so then, so then here they are. And, and he, he gets a directive. And he, even though these guys are afraid, he presents God's, he, he, the, the, the problem is here. God, David's real with God. God's real with David. And he gives him a real answer to his question. And he says, yes, go do it. So he does it and they achieve a victory. Then David said in verse 10, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has heard for certain that Saul is seeking to come to Keilah and to destroy the city on my account. So it's like, it's one thing to have a breakthrough, but then occasionally the devil just tries to take advantage even in your breakthrough. I'm gonna just tell you, some of you listen. When Moses stretched forth his staff at the Red Sea, it parted and they walked as though it was dry land. Do you know what happened after that? The enemy tried to come in and invade their miracle. I've seen this so many times. We believed God and came out of apartment living and during a time when the interest rate was like 14 or 16 percent, Doug, it was 16 percent. And Doug said, "Man, it doesn't look like it's going to go below 10 percent." And Patsy was in faith for 10 percent. Remember that, Doug? And so she found out. She called Jeff City. She's a diligent. I mean, she's a diligent lady. She's adamant. She's a hard worker and a thinker and prayer warrior. And so she found some some uh, that we would get for t- under 10% and we got it for under 10%, nine something percent in that, mir- in that terrible time. She, we inquired of the God and then we took action and we got it, right? Now, what was I saying that for? It was all tied together. The music was distracting me. Keep, keep me on task. I've only got, t- I'm just kidding, LaDonna. Okay. Could you do uh, one of your trills on the B3? We don't have a, yeah. Is it on? There you go. Here, it's going to get good now. We're about ready to have church. Here it comes. It's getting there. The anointing's kicking in. Here it comes. Here it goes. There it is. That was my note. So Pastor Jeff's coming to a conclusion. David asked, what should I do? Where should I go? How can I take a stand? What do we learn from David? 
that in David's multiple inquiries of seeking after God for his will, it reveals how you and I can be men and women of prayer. And, and, and that, that our intent is to always find God's will and to do it God's way. Who in here is interested in God's will being done in your life? Listen, yeah, let's, let's just purge any sloppiness out of our lives. That is our, our aim. We're believing God for his will to be done in every situation and circumstance. He said, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. And so what the Lord is showing us here, one of the key aspects of that, the core values of that, and what, uh, what we're to emulate is David's example to cultivate a habit of constantly inquiring of God about every situation. I have four kids. When I pray for them, all my prayer is, I do some general prayer, but God always directs me into specifics. I just prayed for a pastor in another city. I prayed directives for his church service today. He went, whoa, because God gave me direction prophetically in prayer, and he prayed for me. It's not the same as here. This is what's beautiful about this thing. And I'm out of time. Let's all stand up. I'm going to the grace table. Come on, let's lift up our hands. Hey, in fact, this has been a spiritual grace table. Say this with me. I'm going to inquire of the Lord about more things in my life. Say it with me. I'm trusting God to direct me in precise ways concerning my career, my relationships, my Christian walk, my decision-making, my choices. Help me, Jesus. Deliver me from temptation. In case you're not saved, ask Jesus to come in your life and be Lord and Savior of your life. Today's the day of salvation. In fact, all of us, let's thunder a prayer of dedication in case there's some people here that need to be saved. By the way, confess Jesus as Lord. Ask him to forgive you and he will. Let's pray this together, rededication. Heavenly Father, I intend to be an inquirer. Inquiring minds want to know. I want to know you. So Lord Jesus... Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. You're my champion. I will walk with you. I will think differently. I will cooperate with heaven. I know the master's voice. The voice of a stranger I will not follow. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. And my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. God bless you.